bring me shelter I will not harm you Bring me shelter, please Bring me shelter I will not harm you I would shelter you People would do anything for their families It could happen to anyone anytime Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo and when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees. I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. Good morning. You're listening to Refugee Radio, broadcasting from the unceded territories of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Today, in lieu of regular programming, we have a segment from the SIN program Refugees on Air, which bills itself as the one and only refugee podcast, giving refugees from all around Australia a voice to share their stories, hosted by Syrian twins Sarah and Maya Ghassali. In this episode, Sarah and Maya interview refugee actor Tony Nguyen, discussing his journey from Vietnam to Australia as a youth, the Australian film ministry, and his own work in the Vietnamese youth production company. This interview was first broadcast in November 2017. Hi everyone, welcome to Refugees on Air. We are your hosts Sarah and Maya and today we welcome our special guest Tony. Tony, how are you? Good. Good? <laughs> Thanks girls for having me. No, no, no worries. worries. Yes, we were very excited to have you on the show. Yeah, we were very excited to have you. Okay, so why did you decide to come to Australia and how was your journey like? How would you describe it? My family left Vietnam in 1978. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the time I got here, I was 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like you have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your parents don't ask you, do you want to go to another country forever <laughs> and ever and ever? Yeah. So they don't ever ask you that. You just say, you just, just say, come on, get on a boat, let's mm-hmm. go. Um, of course, you know, prior to that, um, people might know, there was this thing called the Vietnam War. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because of war, you're going to have winners and losers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. We were part of the losing side, I suppose. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we got uh, treated as second-class citizens in our own country mm-hmm. because we were the losers, you know. Uh, my dad was a school teacher, and he was forced to be re-educated. Yeah. They put a lot of these people in, in a camp called re-education camp mm-hmm. or a concentration camp. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, he just didn't like the idea. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we were, um, because my dad was not only a school teacher, he, all, he was also um, served in the army as well yeah. uh, as an interpreter for the American 
and um, they consider that to be the enemies, you know. Yep. And we will happen to be his children, so we are the children. Of the enemy. Great, see, there <laughs> you go, you guys got it. Um, and of course, if you were the children of the enemies, you are second-class citizens in your own country. country. It's a little bit like going to your school, and um, if you, if the, if you know, a school that you went to is segregated based on your political alliance or whatever like that, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that much fun, you yeah. know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. By the time I kind of made enough friends, I was already in Australia. So I, mm-hmm. I uh, started going, you know, doing grade four here in Australia. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like cutting a very long story short. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. okay. Let's move on to what you do as a well, everyday thing. How did you get into the film industry? Well, basically, being a refugee mm-hmm. and uh, coming to this country, um, we have to learn everything from scratch, yep. including mm-hmm. English, yep. trying to assimilate or integrate or whatever. Yep. To blend in, I guess. Yeah, try our best, but didn't work. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, My skin color didn't turn white. Yep. I'm still the same skin color that, that I was when I was leaving Vietnam. Yeah. So growing up was kind of quite challenging for me. My parents was um, often try to make us more Vietnamese because they were yep. afraid we were too Anglicized too fast, mm-hmm. and we were trying to do the opposite. We were trying to integrate, yeah. <laughs> so that we don't stand out like a sore thumb, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that created a lot of problems, and eventually, you know, some things have to give in, and uh, basically a lot of conflict between myself and my dad mainly, mm-hmm. and eventually I kind of left home. You know, and prior to that, I was basically an oh yeah, and then and then I eventually got kicked out of school as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple of things happened around you know six, fifteen, sixteen. So yeah, you were around year ten as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I left home first, and then I went back home. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of take two. My mum set up a restaurant, and she said, "Look, let's come back, and why don't you come and work in the restaurant with me?" Mm-hmm. I went back home. And then you know, I enrolled into the local school there. Yeah, you know, I was just there to have fun. I didn't yeah. really care much about anything else apart from mm-hmm. having fun. Of course, school's not a place to have fun. You know, you can have a bit of fun, <laughs> yeah, but, but of not, not full-time fun. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. So eventually, you know, school decided we were not compatible. So that's why we have to depart, I suppose. And then, you know, I mean, through all that thing, um, there was a, f- a film, a mini-series called The Sword of Honor. Mm-hmm. They were making about the Vietnam War. Yeah. And they were looking for extras. Yep. Yeah. You know, hundreds of them. Yep. And um, I was just happened to be one of those hundreds of people that rocked up. You know, mm, say, okay. yeah, I like to have a role. And a friend of mine was working for a Vietnamese paper at the time. He introduced me to the company, and I was one of the first person that they met. I spoke mm-hmm. English, and then they decided they need someone who can speak both Vietnamese and English. Uh-huh. Then they gave me a job as oh, a production good. assistant. You know, wow. getting paid as a you know you know to work with them and to liaise with the the, the rest of the, you know the millions of extras. Yeah. So mm. how, how did you feel when you got that role? It was good. It was, was good? There was money. <laughs> I need money. <laughs> you know, course. it was great. And also yep. it's great to be, you know, I, I didn't, you know, when, you, when you're 16 and you've got a job working for a film company, mm. it's amazing because we, we were getting paid like 500 bucks a week. That's like a dream come true. That was huge. That, was, that would be like, that's equivalent to a million now or something like that. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and also you get all the perks and, you know, you, you work with all the, all the stars and you know what I mean? That's, yeah. It's great, that's you know. So good. <laughs> and and it was, it was a, like a, a weird dream because you don't, you, it doesn't look, it was quite surreal because it was a big budget thing as well and you mm-hmm. know you're on a film set and did you know what I mean it was, it was yeah. just fantastic there and then that's when I kind of realised that this is the kind of work that I want to hang out with yeah. mm. 
I think I feel the same way as in like doing just just doing media at school and directing like uh, mm. short films. I feel like I'm really in my zone. Mm-hmm. That's why I would love to do this yeah. in the future as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And and you know you 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 know exactly what you want to do. Like yeah. by the, by the time you're year nine, year ten, you should know already because you kind of like say this is this is where I feel kind of comfortable. This is yeah. where I feel belong. Yeah. And you you know you start focusing on your own little journey, how to get That's there, true. and how to make a career yeah. out of your passion. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's what I did. I mean, from from then onward, I suppose. Now I also got a couple of you know like extras yeah, role extra role in that mini series as well, apart from being production assistant. Yeah, so really that was good. kind of good fun, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I had like one minute on air or something like that. You know? <laughs> I, I play a part of a terrorist, a young terrorist, planting this bomb and got oh, killed, okay. blown up. There was a <laughs> bang, and it was good things. I had there was a close up of me and my dead body, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cool. <laughs> there you That'll go. be cool on like your portfolio. <laughs> close up of your dead body. I know. You know what I mean. And then mm. and then the, f- the following year, I, I received a phone call from a, a theater company called Hand. Span, mm-hmm. and they were looking for an actor, yes. not an extra, you know, an actor. Yeah, an, actor. A, an actor. So there yeah. was only four part. There yep. was a, it's kind of like a multicultural play thing about racism. And there was a, a Greek girl that got a part. Her name is Mary Kustis. You probably heard of her as Effie. There was a, a series called Acropolis Now on, yep. on sort of like a walks out of work kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. So I toured with Mary for a couple of years. Um, there was a, a Mary, another guy called Roberto Macaulay, he's mm-hmm. Italian actor, and then Sally Minster. So there was four of us. You know, okay. we were like a, a group of four. And how long did you tour together for? Two years. Two years. So I was on the road. You know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that was my real job. You know. Yeah. So at seventeen, I got a real job working oh, wow. you know, with a theatre company for two years, and that was huge. I didn't realise, you know, how big it is. Yeah. You actually, have a two years contract. That's mm. huge. And, you, you know, you got regular income. You were like rock stars, you know. You, we were staying in uh, pubs and motels and, you know, like different town all the time. Yeah. Mm. It's wow. like something out of a movie, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was young. I was the youngest yeah. one. Yeah. I, I was the only one in the group who couldn't drive a car because I was only 17. They all sort of like uh, took turn driving this big van and our sets and everything. So we went, we did a touring show. We toured schools and festivals. Uh, is that what motivated you to study acting at um, RMIT as well? Y- yeah, well, yeah. You know, by the time I started acting after that, yeah. I realised how dumb I was. I said, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, geez, I didn't realise. These, these guys were serious, you know. They went to drama schools and, mm-hmm. and they did yeah. three or four years. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and here I am, I graduate from a mini series and I got an extra part. And you know, I mean, come on, you know, like when you get a real job, yeah, with real people when there's real responsibility mm. and you're getting paid, so you know, you, you kind of like say, I want to do the best job I can do, yeah, because you know, your, your own pride and ego was at stake, yeah. So it's so important that you do it properly because you'll yeah. never get a job again if you don't, you know <laughs> what I mean, yeah. And that's a really good motivation to make you realize it because you know, all 16, 17 years old have big huge egos anyway because yeah, they you know they, they're very self-centered and they think that you know the world evolves around them yeah. mm. but that's not true <laughs> no <laughs> so, so yeah so um I basically um, started enrolling into TV production at MIT not to learn about basic TV production stuff, yep. filming and editing, the good old video things today. You know, it's not like all digital now. Yeah. I, I learned the, the, you know, the old traditional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have a good sense of behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. I end up um, getting a, a job in sound. It's kind of weird because you learn a lot of skills, yeah. but I got a job doing in sound. So I end up there, I, I pick up a lot of sound skills, yeah. working for a, sort of like a higher studio production company. Yeah. I was looking for a couple of them. So on the back of my mind, I was. I also wanted to study something else. Mm-hmm. It's like a fallback option. Yeah. So I studied community development. 
okay. because I was really interested in working with community yep. and working with people. I suppose my whole career path kind of evolved around a couple of things, around the arts and around community. It's kind of weird because I wouldn't know. If you, if, you, if you asked me if I was 17 at the time, and if you asked me do I know where I was going or how my life's going to be, I've got no idea. Yep. Do you know? But, you know, you, I think... What you do is you just go with your heart and yeah. where, whatever makes you feel comfortable, just do it. Yeah. Mm. No, I totally agree with that. <laughs> that, that. That's it. And eventually something will happen. Yeah. Mm. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. Is that why you started the Vietnamese youth media? Yeah, I started Vietnamese youth media after Handspan. I think I started that back in like 19 something, 1990 or something. A little bit before Romper Stomper. Romper Stomper came out in 1992. 90, so. 91 we, we shot 91, it. 92 yeah. it came out. Yeah. But it was a little bit before that. I was interested in, because you know, with. Um, Filmmaking and theatre making, you actually need people. Yeah, you do. So the only way that you get people is, is you set up a group yeah. and based in an art centre and say, you know, this is what I'm doing, I've done this all my life, I want to set up this group. And yeah. So there's a lot of kids want to hang out with me because of that. We were just mucking around, having fun, but mm. we're doing it in a kind of like using theatre as a medium. So that was a, that was the starting point, was because I need to find people to yeah, work yeah. with. So uh, you know, I want to set up my own group at the Footscray Community Art Centre. So mm. that was the beginning. And then suddenly Romper Stomper come along as mm. well. And I was kind of like the leader at this Vietnamese youth theatre. And then suddenly this thing, I become like a gang leader. It's kind of yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what made you want to be involved in a movie like Romper Stomper? Money. Money. <laughs> like all actors, you know, you get a job, you get paid because of money, or yeah. you get paid because it's a good script, or you, you get paid because you like the character, or yeah. all the people who's doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of different reasons why you okay. do something. Yeah. You, know, you don't yeah. do something just because money. Yeah, of course. Um, you, you do something because you think it's a great script. Sometimes it can be a really bad script, but mm. people love it. <laughs> 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 Who knows? It's going to be weird, you know? know. Yeah. You never know these days. Yeah, no, but sometimes, you know, you might have a very deep and meaningful script that no one want to watch or no one want to know because it's like no no too much to think mm-hmm. you know if you if you go out to the cinema and you, you watch what young people watch these days they're not kind of deep and meaningful stuff no I it's totally kind of light hearted mm. yeah. romantic comedy yes you know, oh. you know boy <laughs> boy, and lo- girl. boy girl fall in love have a bit of a laugh along the way mm. exactly <laughs> that's all it is but you know I mean maybe because there's so much pressure mm-hmm. in life and in society yep. that people just want to laugh I agree you with know that yes uh, but as an artist it's a different story you kind be torn between two things money because you need them, your bread and butter and also your passion it kind of like why you're doing it you know mm-hmm. the you know, the other things that deep and meaningful i suppose arts as a medium as a language it's like radio or film or music they all have kind of different language mm. yes I and and they that. they connect to different senses in your body yeah yep. you know radio is when you just want to lay there and you just want to listen you don't want to see things mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to close your eyes and you want to hear things yep. sometimes you, you love to hear and you love to see and you love to feel as well mm-hmm. so there are different times you know the human needs that you need different things yeah so so the same thing so you balance the two things you do film because you love it because you think it's important because mm-hmm. it means yeah. something or you do it because you have to you know get paid so i've done both you know i mean mm-hmm. i did soapies and all that as well you know <laughs> I was mm. in three episodes of Paradise Beach, um, <laughs> you know, up in Queensland. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, and then as you go further along the way, mm-hmm. you know, you make different kind of choices. Mm-hmm. You know, like my focus at the moment is kind of very different to where I was mm-hmm. um, many years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I kind of balancing my life a little bit between here and Vietnam. So during the school holiday, that's when I'm kind of don't get a job here because I'm, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm only uh, working as a, an emergency teacher. So that allows me to go away during holiday. And yep. I, if I choose to stay there a bit longer, it's okay too. Mm-hmm. I don't have to come back here. <laughs> you know, but like right now, 
uh, most of the schools quite down a bit because uh, once the VC kids they finish the exam they're yeah. gone so a lot of teachers are um, especially senior teachers mm-hmm. they can take over doing yeah. um, replacement stuff yeah. for the for the junior one so that's why we're kind of not needed yeah <laughs> but that's where I kind of plan my overseas project yeah. so mm. yeah that's how you balance it out yeah, between yeah. Work. do you think that making movies that portray the positive sides of accepting refugees will have an impact on the audience's opinion or even persuade countries to accept more refugees you see I wrote somewhere recently and I said that we are all refugees or migrants at one stage or another in our life yeah. now people don't realize that um, you move you know, we migrate. Yep. We go from the city to the country, the country to the city because of our choices of lifestyle. You know, in Australia, we migrate. You know, people in the country have to come to the city for a job, mm-hmm. you know. or uh, And then suddenly, once you, you're at a certain age, you want to go back into the country yep. to have a, a relaxing lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> we might call it sea change or tree change or whatever like that. We do that. We move around for employment. We move around for education. We move around for so many different reasons. A human need to move. Yeah, that's true. Do you know? That's yeah. a, that's the first thing we have to yeah. realize. The second thing is we move for survival. Yeah. We move because of natural disaster. Um, you know, tsunamis and earthquake. We gotta move. Yeah. We move because of war. Mm-hmm. This human conflict. Yeah. We gotta move. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of reasons why we need to move. Where we move to, the people there might not like it. That's their business. Yeah. I mean, I will move. You know, even if there's like if there was borders and boundaries and machine guns, I'll still move. If there was a chance of a better life, I'll move. Mm-hmm. I will not ask people whether I can move there or not. If I have wives and kids, I would make that huge sacrifice between life and death. Then I will do that. So it's not like a movement. Human movement is not like a choice. It's a necessity. It's a survival yeah. instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, as a mother, as a father, as a son, you will do it for your family. Yep. People don't like to move. I don't think they love to move. I don't, don't know anyone. So. Did I like to move? No, I, wouldn't. I don't like to move. But do I have a choice? Said no. We've got to be realistic about that. That whether we like it or not, uh, people will move. Yep. What are the choices that we have, say, as Australians, to stop people from moving? Is to assist them so that they can stay in their own country. Mm-hmm. We're yes. going to help in a way to maybe uh, minimize the chance of conflict mm-hmm. in their own country. Yep. We don't take over their jobs. You know, if we take over their jobs, they'll move from their country to come to our country. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They're, they're the kind of like obvious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a lot of, it's about being fair. Because yes. remember, the world is round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can't live in one spot, you have to go to another spot. Mm-hmm. It's like in Melbourne. You can't live in one spot, you move to another spot. You can't live in one, one part of the world, you will move to a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's got nothing to do with who would like you to go. And you don't ask anyone's permission for that. Mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Do you know? Why did you know white people move to Australia in the first place? Because England was too small. You know that was yes, that was that was the truth. It. You've got to realize. That. I mean, did we ask the Aborigines can we move here? No, no we no. didn't. We pretended they didn't exist. We declared there was no one here. Yeah. Until Eddie Mabo said no, we were here before you. That's right. And the High Court did rule that, and that's why they have the you know Mabo, uh, you know mm-hmm. the Mabo. So the, this whole thing about migrants and refugees is you can't even debate it at all. It, which, it's not like should we allow people to move. Should we accept? What do you mean, should we? Who are we? What right have we got? Do we own this land, this country? We think we do, but we don't. don't. You know, what about the traditional owners? And have we asked them? We didn't even ask them whether we can come here in the first place. Mm -hmm. And now we're, just because there's more of us than them, there's Mm -hmm. more migrants than the indigenous population. They think they've got, like, the power to... Because there's only one million Aborigines. Just because they are outnumbered, does that mean we're going to, we have a right to make decision on their behalf? 
Mm-hmm. If we don't ask the Aborigine, then we don't have any right. Yeah, so you, you know, of course we have laws and all that, yep. but yeah, so what? You know, you can, you can make as much law as you like. That's not going to stop people from leaving their country just because they need to leave the country and to, to find a better way of life. I mean, we do that, so why, why shouldn't they? Or why couldn't they? If we yep. want a better life for ourselves, why can't they have a better life? We're all the same, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is kind of similar to what, like what you explained, but what messages do you think are important to get across in relation to issues that immigrants and refugees face these days? I think we just need to be honest and realistic. Mm-hmm. And we've got to stop our ego from flying too high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got to stop pretending that we are a greater being than other people. We've got to stop pretending that our lives are more important than theirs. Yep. You know, I mean, if all human lives are equal, if we have a right to survive and exist and, you know, have food to eat and have shelter and have those kind of basic, you know, human needs, then other people have that rights as well. Yep. Just because they couldn't get that right in, in one yeah, part in of the country. world, yep. what's going to stop them from finding another lifestyle, another another place to live in another part of the world? I don't think they're actually making kind of those decisions lightly. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very tough decision. I was going to ask you a question about... Go for it. Rumpa Stomper, do you think that the movie subtly portrays real-life situations that Asian immigrants face? Movies are movie. Movies... So someone's imagination, you So know? from someone's perspective? Kind no, of no, it's just an imagination. Okay, yeah. You know, everyone's have a right for an, uh, an imagination. Mm. You know, I mean, it's a little bit like saying Harry Potter. If you start <laughs> to believe in Harry Potter, you're in trouble, do you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of people are in trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, this is the thing for me, um, and, and I can talk about my part in terms of, like, making my own work. Mm. I love making controversial stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard to make controversial stuff. Mm. I'll tell you why Romper Stomper was a, a very important film. Yeah, It's not because whether it's real or... It, it was one of those controversial films. Yep. It mm. can be seen as this way or the other way. Yep. Why is it important? Is because that movie cost $1.6 million to yep. make and it actually returned three times. So from an investment point of view, it didn't lose any money. Yeah. But it was like, as a, a government invest film, you know, the, the federal government put in one million and I think the state government put in about 600,000. And for the government to put in that kind of money into a controversial film, it, it, it is actually quite rare. Mm-hmm. Government usually um, don't want to put money into kind of rare, yep. controversial movies. Yeah. But the thing about Rompostoma, it actually pushed boundaries into yep. the sort of movie that government will invest in. Mm-hmm. Now, if they didn't invest in movies like Rombostomper, other movies like Priscilla would never got up. Mm-hmm. You know, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert would never yep. got up. That kind of movie would never go up, you know? Yep. So, so that's why Rombostomper become quite a, a, an iconic film for many reasons mm-hmm. because it pushed many boundaries. So, number one, it launched Russell Crowe's career and turned yep. him into an A-grade Hollywood actor. But even as he's not really Australian, he's New Zealand. Yep. But we still claim he's uh, one of ours, you know. Yep. Mm. That was a great export, you know, yeah. apart from Nicole Kidman and Mel Gibson. Yeah. And for a country that is like, uh, you know, 24 million mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like um, pretty much outrun Hollywood, you know. Yep. So there, was so many, there are so many Australian actors now in Hollywood. That's incredible. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. And so that say a lot about our film industry, about our training, you know, yep. our actors training, our film trainings and all kind of those things and government investments and all that. Yep. So from that point of view, it's so important because that's what roles of governments are yep. to create opportunities 
And yep. I think they did that incredibly, uh, you know, incredibly well. If it's going to that kind of race issue, then, you know, it's kind of debatable. You know, I'm, I'm not going into that. Pros and cons and good. Because yeah. that's great for film critics and yeah. people, audience members to come and watch it and then debate over coffee. Yeah. Isn't it fantastic. You know, if you guys made a play and if people were just like, you got you got half your audience love it and the other half hate it and they, they end up debating about, don't you love it? And you just kind yeah. of say, yeah, go, go, go for it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is the kind of work that I would do. I love to do that kind of like, I wouldn't want to do the kind of work where people everyone say love it, fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you get too much praise, you get you feel bored. You know, say, yes, I oh, agree with bored. that. You like people to debate. You, mm. you know, you love people who love it and hate it. Yeah, equal numbers. Yeah, and they fight over your work. <laughs> yeah, and you just sit there and you just say that's great, mm. and you love it. I think as as artists, that's what you aspire to do. Yep. You kind of want to make that kind of work, mm-hmm. and that's what I do as well. I kind of make that kind of work. My work can be controversial. I like to do that kind of things. I like to do work where people think yes. and debate. If you make a type of work where people really hate it, you're in trouble. If you, if you make the sort of work where people really love it, then you're also in trouble. Yes. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, I agree with you, that. Because that, that's almost like you're just like, uh, you know, preaching to the converters or, well, you're not really challenging anything. Yes, anyone. that's true. Because, because if you can make a film they should be challenging. Yeah, you know, like if, if you can make a film about race, you can make people who are really racist stop and think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you make a film about one thing and then people will just look at it and start to think about something, you already achieved something. Yes, mm. I, I agree yeah, with that. So yeah, that, so that's what, to me, that's the power of the arts. Mm. Yes. Whatever medium that you use, whether kind of radio, TV, film, do a painting or a book or do a rap song, mm. whatever language, whatever genre, whatever methods or medium that you can reach people and connect with people and challenge them and provoke them, you know, or whatever, then that's it. You've done your job. What advice do you have for future actors or people who want to get involved in acting? Only advice I can give to anybody and everybody who's kind of young. Yep. I just think don't be afraid, you know, just and don't be afraid to go on your own journey, mm-hmm. find your own path and, and just mm-hmm. stick with it, you know. Yep. And you'll be surprised where your dream's going to take you, yes. you know, and, and turn your passion into a career. Because, you know, the famous Dalai Lama said something. He said that people sacrifice their health to make money. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they have to use their money to buy back their health. Yep. So very, very crazy, but we shouldn't have to do that. Yep. You know, I think you, you should try to enjoy every moment in your life. If you're young, enjoy being young and crazy and yep. ignorance and <laughs> being silly. And yep. it's fun. Because one day when you're an adult, you can't do that. Yep. Mm. You're not allowed to be silly and ignorance. And you have to be mature and properly and everything. So yes, when you're, when, when you're kind of young, you can do those sort of things. You're allowed to kind of say silly things and do silly things if you have to. And, and that's about it. You know, just, just live out whatever your dreams and hopes are. And, and don't be a clone. Don't follow the crowd. Exactly. You know, don't be part of the sheep. Yes, well, thank you so, so much, Tony, for coming in today. We're so happy that you're here and we've heard some inspirational, wonderful things from you. Yep. And I just I feel like I've been, you know, even <laughs> just like changed. Detox, you know? Yeah. Like that. yeah. Much. Well, thanks, girls, for having me. No, no worries. Anytime. Thank you so much. Taking us out today, we have a song from the compilation Saigon Rock and Soul, Vietnamese classic tracks 1986 to 1974. The album is a great compilation of music made by bands um, in Saigon between 68 and 74 when the city was filled with American soldiers. Mm-hmm.
像昨天。